Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Decide where you want to be. I've seen so many coaches, good coaches, go in the wrong place. They, they go in the under 12s and they really want to be in the under 18s. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest with me. My guest today is Alf Galustian. Good morning, Alf. How are you? Yes, uh, good in, in under the circumstances. Uh, I'm, I'm sure every, all your listeners too uh, are having it pretty tough this year, or hopefully be over. So I'm glad to be with you. Perfect, Alf. Just um, you know, for the listeners that maybe aren't too familiar with who you are or what you do, would you mind just giving us a bit of detail around that, please? Uh, well, I'm uh, the co-founder and uh, the international director of a program called Curva Coaching, which is a skills program. And uh, we'll go a little bit into the history uh, and the origin later on. But it's probably used by most federations around the world and most pro clubs, certainly. I've, I've worked with 51 pro clubs plus 17 odd federations and uh, uh, in my career. And uh, so Curva is uh, a program that's a development program for young boys and girls between four years old and 16 years old. So it's pretty specialized. Um, and it's also, um, as it's evolved, uh, suitable for players of all abilities. So um, we, we, the Curva business, which I'm, uh, my son really runs now, um, and, and I, my role is actually devising curriculum. And, and uh, so 
Um, it's evolved so that this curriculum suits players of all abilities. Um, you've, you've got the pro clubs using it, and then you've got grassroots kids who are just learning the game. Brilliant. So, you know, I just want to take you right back to the start of your coaching journey. You know what I mean? Um, you've been coaching a long time. You know, we had a brief discussion ahead of this interview, you know, in terms of your capacity now, much more of a mentor. And, you know, you just touched on there that your son has kind of taken over the reins a little bit. I just want to take you right back to the start of that journey. You know, where, where did Alf Galistian first get involved in coaching and what was it about coaching that kind of just drew you? Yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a good question. A long time ago, so let me let me, let me try to remember. I, I suppose it's when did I get involved with football? And um, as far as I can remember, for, from four or five years old, that's all I thought about. And um, um, so I, I, I was a young player at Wimbledon and... Um, uh, I had four or five knee operations, uh, went into non-league football, didn't work out. And one day, a friend of mine, um, uh, Dave Collier, he was a goalkeeper, Sutton United, one of the uh, you know uh, teams over here, a good team. And Dave uh, was an FA coach and he said, well, look, um, you, you're not playing anymore. Uh, what about coaching? And I thought, no, I'm too young to coach, you know. And uh, But anyway, he persuaded me I did it. Um, I, I liked it because it was a way of keeping in football. Um, so that was part one of the story. And part two um, was uh, the USA. Um, so uh, I married to an American, um, went to coach, and play a little bit, but that didn't work out, but coaching mainly. And um, met uh, Charlie Cook. Um, this is uh, back in the early eighties. Charlie was a great player at Chelsea. Um, one of my heroes, actually. Um, anyway, we met um, and um, we started at soccer schools. You know, in America, there's a lot of soccer schools and, and uh, the, the Americans are just so thirsty for knowledge. And Charlie and I started uh, a soccer school. And one day we were in Philadelphia at a convention um, in the US, they have these big soccer conventions. And we, we walked past the room and we saw this, um, elderly guy and with four or five kids, each with a ball. And there was only about 10 people sitting in the room. We went in there and that was Will Kerber. And um, we, we, Charlie and I just, after half an hour thought, wow, we've never seen, first of all, it was every play with a ball. In our careers, we'd never seen that. And the other thing Will said was that in the formative ages, this is between 10 and 14, 15, um, development is about the individual, not the team. And of course, we'd never heard that approach either. Um, so that was the part two, and maybe the part three, because I think it, 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 it'll tell you the story. Six months later, I went to do my full, it was, it was like the pro license, it was called a full badge in those days, back in 83, 84. And Bobby Robson, who was a very, a great, great coach, Bobby had brought Will Kerber to work with the England under 16 team. At Lillyshaw, there was a place called Lillyshaw, um, which was the headquarters of all English football. And it was a three week course. So, and just this was after Philadelphia, um, Will was there and I sat next to him every day at breakfast, just listening to him, absorbing all his ideas, his work with Rice Michaels and his work with Cruyff. And, and I just, and I called in those days, there's no uh, mobile telephones and Zoom and whatever. So I called Charlie who is living in, uh, in the USA. And I said, Charlie, look, we, we, this is a, a sort of a, a handle that we can put to our soccer camps. 
uh, Kerber. And um, so to talk to Will, he didn't, wasn't really interested in going into that sort of business of football. Um, subsequently, he went to the UAE, Dubai, etc. So one of the uh, misunderstandings about Kerber uh, is Will's role. So actually in 84, um, we bought the rights to use his name. And Will wasn't from 84 really involved with Charlie and me. So Kerber coaching was a label that we, 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 we got. And then we built a curriculum around that. Right, brilliant. And then you're, you know, obviously, you know, going down that path of obviously designing the curriculum, you know, you've later ended up, you know, designing your own coach education platform as well. Now, there's, uh, you know, many people, um, certainly newer coaches coming into the, into the realm of coaching, aren't too familiar with your methods. Would you mind just going into a bit of detail around what your methods are specifically? You, know, you talked there briefly that it was uh, touching on more the individual aspects. And I think that's becoming more prominent yeah. um, with all the coaches nowadays, more specifically with the coach education buffer within the FA as well. Yes. Um, so yes, um, uh, if this is helpful. So if you, when you start in development, whatever development program is, you've got to think about the pathway, the age groups. Um, and so if you think that um, between four and seven, um, you've got this element where th there's no drills, you just got to play. And then between eight and 12, um, and th th we've actually uh, uh, devised Curva to fit into this pathway. That's why I'm explaining it like this. So um, between eight and 12, it's the core skills, receiving the ball, passing the ball, 1v1, which is you know, probably what we're best known for. Um, um, you know, uh, striking the ball, kicking and uh, passing and shooting, which is exactly the same technique. And in between those age groups, you, you focus on that. And underpinning all that is what we call ball mastery. So that's again, in Curva Coaching, we've got 154 different ball mastery moves. They're all on our videos and books, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I guess a lot of your, your listeners would have I haven't been to a pro club that hasn't got our videos and books. And, and like I said, I've worked with 51 of them. And so a lot of your coaches will be familiar, but ball mastery is a mother and father of the core skills. So eight and 12, you immerse them in that. And then between 12 and 16, uh, this pathway is, is you, you're, now you're playing 11 v 11 globally. Um, so you, you have to have the players um, responsibility in the game. Um, what they do in the game, where they do it in the game, you know. Uh, so, so 12 and 16 is more team related. And then Curver at 17, 21 is very, very specialized. And it's, it's called, used to be called position specific training, where you work with certain positions, um, again, in technical work. Um, but I, I've kind of changed it in the last few months. This is a scoop for you, yes, is that I, I don't need this position specific. I'm speaking to my late great friend, Gerald Houllier, who I worked for for almost 30 years. Um, the last that work that I did with Gerald was, was talking about, it's not position specific, it's zone specific, area specific, because the modern player has got no number on his back. They defend, they attack, right? So, um, and I'm, this is one of the major things I'm working on this year or in 21. Um, and, but that's a very specialised area, and that's for the for the players, serious players, seven, seven, twenty-one. Now you could probably bring it down to the, to the younger ages, twelve to sixteen. I'm not saying that's absolutely it's possible, but that that so that you've got the development pathway, and then you've got curve within that development pathway. If that makes sense. Mm. And just just on that, then you know you you talk there about that. Um, well, not not 
position specific and I think zone specific I think I think it's a very good point actually you know um in that you're making that players are just so versatile now and they're expected to do so much more than they were maybe 10 or even as recently as five years ago um just on that then you know obviously a large part of the curve of work from certainly from what I understand of it is very much technical based so when you start going towards the 17 to 21, how, what does that start to look like in terms of the zone-specific stuff? Is it still heavily technical or is it now moving along to, to the tactical side of things? Because some of the, I guess, debates that have been in the past around the curve of methods is, is very much focused around technical and maybe not so much on a tactical and still, I guess, really help the players develop uh, game understanding, but more so providing and supporting help, helping the development of players with the tools that are required in the game. Does that make sense? It makes total sense, um, and it's one of the. I know lately you you've got a question. You you said to me, "What was my biggest bugbear in this long career?" And that is trying to clear up some of the misconceptions, um, which is fine. I'm not defensive. You know, I believe in what we do. Um, so let me answer the first part um, of that 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 player uh, zone specific uh, seventeen twenty one year old. So for example, um, ninety percent of goals are scored. 25, 30 meters from goal in, in something what's called the golden zone. Um, so uh, in Kerba, we've got four 1v1 one, one one sets. They're called mirror moves. A mirror move is one uh, movement, uh, one uh, feint, if you like, or, or change of direction or stop and start that has two parts. So the opponent can never, the first part is exactly the same. So the opponent goalkeeper can't guess what you're going to pull. So there's four. So if you if you imagine uh, th they're a pair, so there's eight moves put into four pairs. Um, one pair one pair is going at the goal. So if you're running at the goal uh, to to pull a feint, either you go right, shoot with your left, you're right, you go left, you shoot with your left. There's one pair that you go across the goal, um, so right to left and then left to right. There's one pair where you cut in and shoot. Now that's really specialized stuff. And imagine if you were a, a, a you know, pro team or you were any team and, and, and you need to uh, score another 10 goals a season. I'm, I'm saying to you, that's possibly, that's, there's your 10 goals because we know all the goals are scored in that area, in that 30 meter area. So um, in, other, in other words, in that specialized uh, uh, pro age, Kerber can uh, uh, contribute towards a specific uh, goal, it's not a trick. It's, uh, we want to score 10 more goals a season. Now, when you go downwards, of course, um, you stick to the pathway. And the pathway, the kids are playing 3v3, 4v4 when they're six, seven, eight years old. They go to 7v7, 9v9 when they're eight to 12, eight to 11. Then you go to 11v11. So you adapt curve into that, but then you've got to look at your session planning. And you know this, and you're better than me, yes. Session planning is an art. It's not a science. I tell you. It's like cooking, right? You know, you put whatever ingredients. And people who misunderstand Kerber haven't really seen the Kerber session plans, which again fit to the under sevens, eight to twelves, 12, 16, 17, 21. Mm. And when you see, uh, so it's a mix of what is it a mix of? It's a mix of repetition, a mix of graduated pressure. That means a the coach is in control of the pressure on the player mm. and then full pressure. People have long misunderstood that in, in a session plan, it covers 80% of the first part, repetition. It's not. It's 45% of this last part, full pressure. Mm. So 
let's say you're doing 1v1 in Kerber and there's, there's 48 1v1s in Kerber, right? So you always divide them into the first part is repetition. So I mean, three or four minutes rep repeating, say the double scissors, whatever, whatever the, the game move is. And then you, the coach goes into a graduated pressure practice, still with 1v1, but the coach controls the pressure on the, on the player with the ball. Right. And, then, and then the coach puts them into full pressure. The coach doesn't interfere. It's totally player controlled. And it's that mix that, that um, in Curva, and, and certainly is involved. Uh, when Charlie and I met Will in 84, it was 80%. And Will's drills and games were 80% the defender didn't challenge. They, they faked the challenge. And one of the things I think Charlie and I have done in the last almost 40 years is to understand that the learning process, first of all, repetition is deadly boring. So you, you've got, as, as a teacher, uh, especially at these younger ages, you've got to interest the kids. You won't interest them in pure repetition. You've got to go on to graduate pressure. You've got to go on to full pressure. So just in terms of that, you know, I... I, I... You've definitely given me a different perception of what, what the product is um, from what my initial perceptions were. And I think it's very much, you know, aligned with what I kind of do now myself in the sense that I think, uh, first of all, I, in my, with my own philosophy, I never really do anything that's unopposed at all. Um, but certainly I do dial up and, you know, higher and lower that pressure in that respect. So I think there always should be some sort of element of a, of a context. And, you know, for me, it's, it might start with just a, a, a static defender, just so they've got a visual context to kind of work yeah. with. And then it might be me, you know, drip feeding information in there around after what the actual context is if they can't quite visualize it themselves. Yes, can I just, you know, I just thought something for you, for you when you said that, really good point. For a long time, you know, um, especially in topics like uh, 1v1, you know, you put a cone down as a static defender or a, a still person. Can I recommend that you don't do that anymore? That, that one of the problems with uh, um, ball mastery in 1v1, um, which we caused, you know, because much of our early material was focused on that, is a player looking down at the ball. And um, when you have a moving, somebody moving towards them, they tend to look up. When you've got a static person, they won't, they'll still look at the ball because they know you, you've signaled to them that the cone's not going to move or the static player's not going to move. So, in other words, drop that, get rid of that. Um, I mean, this is just my suggestion. Yeah. Forget about the static, but have some movement. You can control yeah. that movement because you can say, don't tackle. Uh, yeah, 100%. So, it's more like a shadow play. I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, what I tend to do sometimes as well is maybe, uh, again, in the process of getting to that full pressure moment, it's now, right, you've gone from being a shadow player to now only being able to be live in particular areas of the, of the grid or the area that we're working in. So it might have like a five by, you know, five meter radius around the player. Um, yeah. And it might be a challenge, let's say for instance, working on dribbling as an example, the player who's on the ball has to maybe make their way through that five meter radius, but the defender can't come out. Yes, you control uh, it. You know, so, so what it is, coach controlled, coach controlled, player control. So if you, think, yeah, exactly. if you think exactly like that when you teach core skills, 100 percent. So I, I definitely think that's a, that's a you know way forward in terms of helping players develop. Um, certainly in, in the context of the actual game itself. Now, one of the other questions I would have to, you know to you and with the Curva method, and this is just not, not specifically for you uh, because it's Curva, just generally. Um, we're moving to this 
you know, I know it's a debate I've been having with a lot of coaches recently. We moved, we definitely moved into a, a world of coaching, especially more specifically in football, but I think generally in coaching, where we're trying to become more holistic with everything that we do, um, which I think is great. Um, but I personally feel that the some of the education for the coaches might start have started to lack in certain areas, more specifically the technical aspects. Now, a lot of the work that you guys do is heavily focused around the technical aspects and you know some of the finer detail within that current coach education pathway in my opinion doesn't really support as much of that as it used to what would you advise to those coaches who are maybe who are not quite uh who have not quite got a strong underpinning of some of that technical element um and maybe are looking to get that and secondly what is your opinion of there being a technical element to the, in terms of the, the technical detail that some of these, uh, I guess, these these moves or these actions within the game require um, and whether there's a set way because a lot of coaches, certainly from my generation, probably would have just looked at a coach educator and been like, all right, that's what the coach educator has told us, A, B, C, that's what it is. Um, without, and then having that mindset, they kind of just go tunnel vision on that particular way of doing it and kind of just disregard any other way of doing it. Whereas I feel that it's become much, certainly for me, I've definitely gone from having a bit of that mentality now shifting to the point where actually I don't really, yes, I want you to be more efficient and refine how you're doing it. However, I'm not really bothered how you do it as long as you achieve the end goal. Um, so I'm now more about setting tasks for my players rather than setting the process, if that makes sense. Okay, so a long question. So let me, let me go for the second part first. So I learned a good lesson. I worked 12 years with the French Federation, um, uh, with Gerald Houllier especially. And um, those 12 years in France, uh, that was 84 to, uh, they didn't qualify for the US World Cup. There was a lot of bad feeling amongst the coaches, you know, very political, like it is in most federations. And um, very opinionated. Um, and, and, and I will say to you guys, because I worked for so many federations around the world, yeah, that's the very nature of the the the, the body, the, the beast, right? It's political, and people uh, are paid, and and they want, you know, they say here's the way, and everybody tries to follow the way. One thing I learned way back then, um, and and both uh, Gerald and Amy Jacquet, um, from them especially, was that there isn't any one way. Um, the only truth is science, right? And football's not a science. Football's more of an art, if you would like, without inflating it too much. Mm. Only science is truth. And therefore, everything's open. Every way, your Yaz's way, Alf's way, is open. Um, as long as you believe what you teach, then you become a good teacher, because that's what a coach is, really, especially in development. So I think you've got to, when I talk about pathway, when you go to senior football, et cetera, the, the coaches at pro level, et cetera, they get players. They expect the players to be able to receive the ball, pass the ball, run with the ball, protect the ball, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, score goals, stop goals. But when you're in development, everything is open. Um, there's all sorts of ways to teach. Um, so one, believe in whatever you believe. If you believe in Kerber, teach Kerber. If you believe in something else, uh, teach that. But one thing that, um, uh, uh, and it goes into one of the questions you, I was going to, you, you asked me earlier, uh, you, you sent me earlier, was what's my bugbear? My bugbear is people who say, this is, I know. You know, if you, if you talk about a certain style or a certain way of teaching, somebody say, yeah, I know. And I remember from Gerald was saying, when anybody says, I know, walk away, because there's nothing to talk about. And so 
the, the beauty of, the, of, of learning is that it's, it's almost infinite. Um, and so f to, to all your coaches, because I, I went through everything you did. Remember, I've had a long, long career. All, all the frustrations you've had, et cetera, I, I experienced them too, all the doubts. And, and the more, um, the older I got, the, the more I thought, well, if you teach what you believe, then you become a more effective teacher. And, um, but then you can't stop at learning. You know, learning is infinite. So you, when I talk to you, I learn something. So the first thing I would say is that there's nothing absolute. If you do an FA English course or a Spanish course or a Brazilian course, you get some good things, but they don't know any more than you do. You see, if you're, if you're a student, uh, you know, um, in fact, I think you're more, more open than they, politically, they can't be open. You, you have to follow that path. And then the countries associated, you have to, have to follow that path. That's what it is. So you're a youth coach, in a way, it's very liberating. You, hey, you've got a way, you do your way. Now, um, going back to the first one, how would uh, people become better at technical coaching? Well, uh, you know, I would say this, and maybe at the, when the program comes out, we've got some social handle and, and, and media handles. Um, uh, Kerber runs diploma courses, uh, uh, introductory diploma course, uh, diploma one course, a diploma two course, where, where obviously it's, we uh, and some of them are online now because of COVID, etc. But but then a lot of them are live and they're in many countries. So if your uh, your listeners want to know more uh, about how to learn Kerber, if you like, which is regarded as as the the gold standard in technical teaching, then then maybe at the end of the program um, we can show them links so they can link onto. Definitely, and I think that'll be very much appreciated. So, Alpha, I just want to take you back to your your journey a little bit more. Um, what is you know throughout all these years of coaching, you, you talk the almost forty odd years, and you work with some great people, um, and I'm sure we're going to go into a little bit more of that as we go through the conversation. But what is what are some of the biggest messages that you've taken away for yourself um, throughout this time? Um, well. Partly things that I I'd not regret, but I wish I'd done more was listen more and talk less. And that may be a tip. When I was a young coach, especially, um, that's one of the things I thought you could talk teaching, if you like. But the younger players are the, the talk wasted. They want to see action. They, they, um, and that's why also I, I, I love Kerbert because you can't talk. Uh, uh, a 1v1 move or a killer pass or uh, touch direction, you know, where, where the ball falls when you receive it or mm -hmm. ball mark, you can't talk it, you, you have to do it. So one was, you know, uh, do more, talk less, listen more. Um, I think the, the value of, uh, well, learning, we've, we've already talked about learning, but it's infinite, you can always learn. But I think um, just actually putting the time in so the same, the same way a player puts in time to get fitter and stronger and quicker and, and more skillful, then a coach, I think, that, you know, to all, all the guys that are listening, you know, there's so much to learn and, and therefore it's difficult to wing it. And there's, for grassroots coaches who I've got the greatest admiration for all over the world because they do things free in their own time. They've obviously got jobs sometimes 10 hours a day. Then they go home and they change and they go to training. 
and uh, you know I admire these people more than than I can say uh, but um, therefore those are the sort of people we've got to try to help by session plan session plans by drills um, by by experience by uh, mentoring what, whatever way we can help them uh, when you're a professional coach of course you get paid for the job so you you, 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 you know but imagine all the millions and millions of grassroots coaches who have to do something else and then coach. So one of the things that, that I try uh, and, and do and I respect is, is, well, how can we, like programs like yours, perfect. Because you can get people with experience. Like I said, the only good thing about age is, you, you know, you've seen things. And then maybe feed them through programs like yours. And, and then they come out and say, oh, yeah, I learned this one thing whether it's one thing or two things, you know. Um, so that that's probably along the way what I've learned most. Definitely. No, 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 I think you're right. I think, you know, have that, with that age, you know, that experience comes obviously um, more opportunities to share that information that you've picked up. And I think, you know, just to kind of lead on that, then, you know, you you did, you know, you've made reference to some of the clubs that you're working with and you've got 50 odd clubs around the world that you, you know, you're in partnership with or you've worked with in the past. I'm curious to know, yourself you know through those 40 years you must have had some sort of influences in terms of mentors and you know some uh, really uh, career changing experiences for you along that way so you know would you mind just maybe sharing some of the who are maybe some of the most influential figures for you and what were the biggest lessons you took from them uh, yes yes and i think um the, the way i'd like to do this is what i learned from them i'd like to pass on to your listeners um, and of course, you, we, we haven't got enough. We'd have to be here hours and hours and hours and hours, but, but, but just some of the just main things. And um, of course, I start with Will Kerber because I think Will was a genius and um, he was a difficult man, very, very difficult. But um, what I learned from him was what I said to you earlier on, that the development, in the development ages, uh, um, uh, certainly between uh, sort of six years old and 14 years old. Um, you, you, we need to understand that individual development is as, as important, not more important, or, or, uh, but as team development. So I learned that from Will. Um, from Charlie Cook, Charlie was one of the great, great players and, and you know, f um, my friend for more than 40 years and, and the co-founder of Curva. And from Charlie, I learned exactly what, if, if you're a technical coaching or teaching technical content, get to full pressure quickly, you know? Um, and that's where me and Charlie broke away from Will uh, very early on in 84, 85. And so um, if you describe yourself as a technical coach, don't, don't just be, uh, don't fall in love with repetition um, because it, although it's absolutely important, that's how the brain wires skills. Um, with the younger players, like I said, it's boring. So you've got to hide it. You've got to disguise it. So it gets back to real DNA. So what I learned from Charlie is get to the, the full pressure stuff very quickly. And from Gerald Houllier, who sadly passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, from Gerald, um, I understood a humility, really, as far as um, the best people I've ever worked with haven't had any egos. Um, uh, you know, World Cup champions, and, and big clubs, etc. And so the the fact that um, you, you just see yourself as somebody experienced or maybe not so experienced or starting, and, and that's that's where you judge yourself. And, and the old Japanese, because uh, 
I'm hugely influenced by Japan, hugely. I spent 20 odd years there. This whole idea that uh, respect for age, not for, not saying, you know, blindly, because you've got to also have the knowledge. But if you worked hard for 20 years, um, then it stands to reason you've learned to. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In those 20 years, if if you've done nothing in those 20 years, it doesn't matter how old you are, but if you have. And Gerald, um, you know, was one of those guys, also I knew 30 odd years, that that every year uh, he, he, he had this hard work ethic. He'd study things. I'm not a big statistics man, but Gerald was on the FIFA's, uh, uh, um, uh, but you know, direct, one of the FIFA direct technical directors. And to your to your listeners, statistics are important. I, you know, I always just dismiss them. Like I said to you before, 90% goals scored in the golden zone. You know, 20 meters from goal. I would years ago I thought, well, what's that? How's that got to do with my coaching? And it's got everything to do with coaching, because out of those 80% of goals. 70 or 80% of those goals are first-time strikes. That means that if that's the case, that's a fact, it influences my drill DNA. It influences how I teach. It influences my session planning. So, um, you know, from Gerald, I learned the value of, of actually looking at statistics and then interpreting them in your coaching. Just um, on, just to yeah. you know, you talk about statistics. I think you, got, you make a great point, but I think uh, one thing I'd kind of maybe just like to elaborate on and um, it'll be interesting to get your views on this as well is I want coaches to really understand that actually, yes, statistics are important. Looking at the data is important. However, you need to look at the data in relation to the game that your players are, are going to be involved in. So as an example, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but those FIFA statistics are probably based on first-team football within a certain environment. Um, you know, not necessarily, you know, aimed at a 9v9 game at under-13s, as an example, whatever that, whatever that might look like. 
Um, so I, I just really want to kind of, you know, make that point for, uh, I guess, the listeners and the viewers, because certainly from my experience, I come along a lot, come across a lot of coaches who do base their practice design, their, their, you know, their sessions around what's happening at the top end of the game. And then they're almost struggling to understand why it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a, a direct impact on the players that they're working with. Yes. Um, negating the fact that actually you're not designing it for their game, you're designing it for that game. Yes, uh, um, but there are certain ones like um, 30 metres from uh, the last third, goals are scored and stopped there, full, full stop, you know, I, um, uh, whatever level. Um, okay, you might get a fluke, uh, not when the, uh, they're playing 3v3, 4v4 in a 40 by 30 metre goal uh, area, but as soon as the kids get 12, 12 years old, it's 11 v 11, you know, 70 by, by 50 metres or the, the space is, is now not comparable to senior football, but it's a space. And therefore, there are certain statistics. Uh, your point is really a good point because look at statistics that are relevant to zones of the field. There's no doubt that the last 30 metres from the time that players are 12 is where it, you score or you stop. Mm. And, and therefore... Um, what are you going to do in those areas? And of course, if you if condense that areas, and this is another, uh, 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 if we go on to people who influenced me, uh, uh, in relation to uh, this field space, yeah. the fact that playing in small spaces, and as you get older, uh, the speed of the game is quicker, and you've got less time and space to play. And therefore, how do you condition players to play like in Spain when I or in, when I worked in Brazil? Or the coaches were so uh, their, their sessions were so dominated by, you know, I, I saw sometimes ten v ten in twenty by twenty meter area. You get, it's impossible to play, but that's so they had the right idea. I think that was a bit extreme, but but that that that's uh, if you're a coach and you want to design drill DNA and you want to compress, so. so what you're trying to do is, especially as a player, young players get better, is get them to play small spaces. So then you can devise drills and games that do that. So I think that, um, you know, that there's certain statistics that actually nudge you into an area. There's certain styles of football because, um, you know, now uh, we, we, we really, in a, in a weird way, I don't know if you remember, yes, there's a wonderful coach who I also knew, Rhys Michaels. And he was in the 70s and he developed this term called total football. And Cruyff was his captain. Mm. And I, I, I remember these discussions, um, I knew him through Will Kerber. And, and so these discussions with Will and Rhinus Michaels, one, one day I remember, I think it was in a, in a, in a petrol station or somewhere, we were driving somewhere. And these, the, we were having this conversation. And um, Total football was no no numbers. Everybody did everything. Cruyff would come back and play at left back, yeah. and, and and the centre forward would go and play a striker. But Ryan Smythe made a good point. Then was it was all to do with fundamental conditioning. The players were so fit. People always thought that they axe players and Cruyff. It was a skill. They were so fit that they could play that way. So again, that's another, I know we're talking about, well, what are the top models? Holland uh, in those days was a top. How can you relate to that to kids? Well, you, you can because, you, first of all, if you, uh, your, your job is attacking when you've got the ball and attacking when you haven't got the ball, you, you attack the ball. 
have that sort of attacking mentality that Ryan Michaels had, then I think the kids also go up into a mindset. So I think everything at the top end influences everything we do, as, as even as grassroots coaches. Um, specifically, of course, they can't do the, the things as well as the top pros can. But the same principles actually do apply. You score and stop most goals in the last third. Um, if you lose the ball, you have to try to press to win it. Um, if you have the ball, you have to try to keep it. Those principles apply. And I think the beauty of Kerber for me is that you can't now, uh, I, possession's here to stay, whatever anybody says, in my opinion. But, but you, can't, uh, you can't play possession football unless you can receive the ball and pass the ball. And I think you can't do that without a good degree of ball mastery, which Kerber has this 30, 40-year uh, uh, curriculum on. So, in other words, it enables, and it goes back to your question of people misunderstanding Kerber. Without Ker the, a program like Kerber, it's very difficult to receive and pass the ball when you're being pressed in tight areas, because it's to do with feeling the ball, and which is caused by ball mastery uh, uh, curriculum. Sure, but I think just on that, then you know, you talk there about. Uh, I, I agree. There needs to be some sort of uh, some sort of foundation to work from, essentially. Now, the, the you know the, the debate I would have I've had with a few coaches is well, how important is it that it's, it's done in a particular way, as long as the job's getting done, if that makes sense. And sometimes uh, I do agree that it's it's good for the coach to have that knowledge and have that underpinning, so that if if needed, they can kind of offer it out and support the player with that. However, I feel a lot of coaches are, are very much also going down the path of, well, no, this is the way it should be done. Yes. Um, now, obviously, the challenge that can give you is if a player is doing it successfully in their own way, then it's almost that if it's not broke, don't fix it. But coaches are too eager, in my opinion, at times to kind of, no, that's not how I want it done. I want it done in this way. Um, so I guess, you know, to kind of come back to you, that curriculum and, uh, and what you're saying you talk there about the being able to master the ball they need to have a good a good understanding of the technical aspects which is which i totally agree with however how important is it for you then that those technical aspects are in line with what you would deliver if that makes sense well, well um in, in our earlier discussion when i was talking to you about pathway so if you think of development so we're not talking about senior football, right? We're talking about development. And so, you know, when we went to school, I didn't do very well at school, but 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 uh, not regular people. So you you go to kindergarten, and then you go to primary school, and then you go to high school, and then go, you go to university. Well, football is one of these games that we want to go to university straight away, yeah. you know. And and therefore, if you mimic that that academic education in and which in Kerber we do so that in kindergarten we love the game we you, it's all fun it's all games like when you and I played when we were kids we wouldn't think about drills and what position etc you just so that so kindergarten's that when you go to primary school you start learning to read and write well ball mastery is reading and writing so so and then and then when you go to high school you start writing stories so that's using effective game school. Uh, you, the skills you've learned in, in, in primary school, you'll now be putting together and writing essays or whatever, another analogy. Then when you go to university, you specialize. Yeah, I'm gonna be a number nine, I'm gonna be number six. 
And, and so that's the way I would approach a development. Um, if I was a development coach, I try to mimic what happens in academic schoolwork. And you know, I think that is, is a very interesting concept. And I think um, the more I think about what you've just said, now I kind of resonates because I think it's subconscious. That's it's essentially what I do in, in, in some ways. In that, when they're young, I just want to play, just play. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get, I'll set you tasks rather than processes. Um, and then as 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 time goes on, depending on how you're getting on with that task, we might look at, look at you know over the ages and stages, of course look at refining that process but more from a perspective of rather than me highlighting something it would be me having a conversation with you uh i guess bring it uh, you know a large part of you know the way i work is uh I, I i'm not i'm not too you know for the idea of developing independent players per se because i don't think i don't think you'll ever get an independent player um my thing is right can we work towards becoming developing an interdependent player someone who is technically uh competent who's you know physically there and whatnot but actually more importantly psychologically and socially they're still confident enough to actually reach out for that support should they need it um but more specifically they're in tune with what they're doing to a point where they have such a great self-awareness about what they're doing and the impact of a you know a specific action and what the outcome could be but also visually assessing what's happening to say okay What's the risk versus reward factors for each each of these each of these moments? And I think that element for me is probably is probably the key part. So I guess in terms of what you're saying, they, it, it, it probably in some ways is very much similar in that respect. Because as they go through the stages, then you start to refine what they're doing. Um, now, I guess to kind of you know move on from that a little bit, I'm curious then how much of an input do you then give to the players? in that process, as opposed to saying, right, there's a process that we're going to follow, here's a curriculum. How do you decide and, or, or is there times where you have to adapt the curriculum to suit the individual based on what they're actually doing, if it's not directly in line with what you've prescribed, if that makes sense? Um, well, there's two, there, I interpret that in two ways, you know. Um, so there was, a, there was a period, which still exists too, in many federations around the world, where it was very important for young players to have input. And just on a practical point, I, um, I think it is, is, but if you go back to session planning, and, and so on a Monday, if you're a grassroots coach, you work maybe once a week or twice a week or three times. If you're a, young, a pro coach at an academy, okay, now the boys are over 12 are in most states. Um, if you leave it too open, your session plan is going to be spot in this way. Um, you're a teacher, take responsibility of being a teacher. You know, you, you put all those years in, you've studied. Of course, it's, it's but you can tell, you know, I tell you, um, uh, uh, while I think of, of your question, my, one of my grandsons is training at AFC Wimbledon, um, my old club, and um, um, very good coaching there. And one of the coaches that works with, with him has a really good way. He, he plays intensely or, or uh, does drills intensely. And then he opens it up for about 30 seconds, 90 seconds, bang. It's not a discussion. People are gonna have their say, but it's in 90 seconds. And then goes back to action. So it, that to me doesn't, um, is it, true to your, the integrity of the session planning that it's action you want, not, not speaking. 
And so that, that's in one way. The other point is that, think about the pathway I was talking about, you coaches out there, was when I'm saying, well, you've got the little ones, the kindergarten, and you've got primary school and high school and university, decide where you want to be. I've seen so many coaches, good coaches, go in the wrong place. They, they go in under 12s and they really want to be in the under 18s. I agree. Um, and, 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 or they go in under 14s, but they want to work with adults. Mm. I'm saying early on in your coaching career, decide where you want to be. And then in that area, there's a huge amount to learn. Don't, don't think that you have to be, you know, a first team coach to, to, to have, uh, to have to study a lot. If you're under 12 coach, especially if you study curva, you better uh, be prepared for, to study a lot. So I think that that's an important uh, consideration. Decide which age group you want to coach in, in, in this pathway uh, that we've laid out. I think you, know, you make a very good point. And, I, and it's one that I echo definitely. And this, a lot of coaches uh, do maybe take on certain roles without having really a real passion for it. And I do certainly agree. I think you need to have a real passion for the age group and the types of players that you're working with. Um, and it kind of comes back to one of your earlier points. And if you believe in that, then you'll become better at that. Um, yeah, yeah. It really mirrors, you know, the, the, the mindset behind that. So you know, I, I first want to kind of, you know, come back to one of the questions that you did touch on briefly uh, around bugbears. Outside of the ones that you've touched, touched on previously in the conversation, what are some of your major bugbears just generally when it comes to coaching? You know, I'm sure, you know, in 40 years, you've probably seen so many things and there's probably one or two real main things. That bugbears? Yeah. Um, Coaches that, that talk through a game, they stand on the touchline and they become TV commentators. You know, it's just incessant talking. And um, I remember as a young player um, at, at pro club and um, I, I was a left winger in those days. And God, God help me, there was a coach and I used to hate it in, in one of the halves because all that, in those days, if you number 11, you stay on the left, right? And he just walk up and down and constantly, obviously you're listening to this commentating. So from personal anecdotal experience, I just think, just be quiet and let, let the players play. Then what, if you've got somebody to say, say it at, at half time or, or, or say to the end, um, especially with kids. So that's bugbear. The other bugbear is some parents unrealistic expectations of their kids. And, and this is more to do with the pro clubs and academies, and they're very good now, much better than they used to be. But, um, and it's really, it's very difficult for them. Um, I was coach who's educated Newcastle United for seven years and worked with a fantastic guy called Joe Joyce. And Joe started off as an academy manager and was on the field. And in those seven years, he was never on the field after those seven years. He was always having to deal with parents, with problems, uh, with the kids, et cetera. So, and, and then when the uh, triple EP came in uh, from the Premier League, and I was a technical consultant when it came in 2010, that program. So the triple, the, the e triple P program was to do with um, uh, funding from TV money to the academies to improve content and coaching. And I worked a year with the, with the Premier League on that. And, and saw the frustration on many of the young coaches of the Premier League clubs. Um, 
their, their job was, their love was coaching, but more and more they had to fill in forms. They had to speak to parents, they had, which, which is fine. But, but then they, they're drawn away from that, 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 that coaching, like Joe was at Newcastle. And um, so that, that was a bugbear that if, if you introduce a lot of bureaucracy, um, especially at the academy level, then expect some of these coaches then to lose their enthusiasm and love. Um, and certainly if, if it impinges on their time. Um, and the parents one, how do you, how do you, in Japan, I know that we used to, um, uh, I developed a program, a presentation of parents. It was a program every six weeks, the parents would come and watch a training session. And then the coach would explain why he was doing what he was doing and how he was doing it. And of course, there were a lot of mothers there, et cetera, that probably didn't know a load about football. And um, it was a way of trying to say, look, um, please leave, I'm the teacher, please leave, leave it to me, just support your kid. But it is a difficult one, yes. I don't know if anybody's overcome, especially with the money in the game today, the unrealistic expectations some of these parents have. Definitely, I thought I can, I can definitely uh, relate to that one. Um, I think it's probably part of the reason why I prefer working with all the players. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Um, you know, just to kind of take you back to your journey then a little bit, you know, you talked there about uh, essentially one of the challenges there really is about dealing with parents, you know, but more, more specifically with your own coaching journey, what would you say one of your biggest challenges have been? And, and is it something that you've been able to get over with? And I hope you have. And if not, then what are your plans to get over it? Once um, we started the Curva curriculum in 84, Charlie and I started that, the big challenge was how do you update it? How do you, you know, you know what yourself, yes, people say, oh, yeah, I've seen that, you know. And how, how do you actually refresh it? How, how do you update it? And for 40 years, I think we've managed to do it. We've introduced, uh, you know, like I told you about the mirror moves, um, you know, that was a new introduction. Um, we've got um, what we call our skills bridge, um, which is the interpretation of Ericsson's 10,000 hours theory um, about the Kerber method. Um, we've introduced um, a scientific basis for Kerber through this wonderful, um, well, actually two medical doctors, um, Dr. Peter Brain and Dr. Andreas Stoyan, my closest friends. And, and they've explained to me how the brain learns um, and how you wire skills and the importance of phys looking after yourself physically, you know, what you eat, how much you sleep, um, that, so that the coach becomes like Dr. Stoyan who has written a wonderful little piece about coaching health, that the coach can actually say, look, too much time on the computer, not enough sleep, drink, drinking uh, fizzy drinks, drinking garbage food, this, this kind of damage your football. And, and so the challenge was, how do you always refresh Kerber? And through Charlie and I trying to be innovative and add to the actual curriculum, we've also then gone to the best, like Dr. Bain, um, one of the most famous neurologists in the world, who's a, a crazy football fan, and um, who's helped us understand how the brain actually learns. Once you understand that, then it'll affect your dual DNA. Because obviously, I'm, my academic career was abysmal. I've learned more from Dr. Peter Bain 
about how the brain works as, as my career as a coach than I could have ever learned at university, I think. Mm, I think you, I think you make a great point there about reaching out and, and looking far and wider beyond your own context to kind of get that information and see how you can further develop, not just to people you're working with, but yourself. Um, and I think, you know, that's a, a real big aim for me on this particular platform is about sharing that information with people like yourself and, you know, whoever else may be on the platform because um, there is loads of information out there and yeah, I think it's really important that coaches do share that. So Alf, you know, as we start to kind of wind down and, you know, you, you, you talk there about 40 odd years working in coaching, you know, you, you, you talk there a little bit about stepping away uh, from the, I guess, the main day-to-day -day stuff over, over at Curver at the moment. Um, but what's next for Alf? What, what are you doing next? Well, there's always something new to learn. So I want to learn, um, you know, especially with Dr. Bain and, and how the brain learns and, and skills. Um, I am all three, three. So one, one of the things was this zone. Remember, we were talking about zone specific training. So one of, the, one of the things I'm working on is trying to adapt the curve of drills um, and, and session planning to that. That's slightly older kids. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, a subject I know nothing about, but my sister was a headmistress of a Montessori school for 36 years. Um, there really isn't anything, well, there is, but nothing that grabs me for under eight kids. And, and I know nothing about that age group, I've got to tell you. But I do know that the curve of drill DNA can be adapted to that age group. So um, that's another project that I'm working on. Um, and you know, uh, in the last few weeks, I've done so many uh, programs like yours, you know, where, where, where maybe COVID, the only plus about COVID is that you can get to many, many millions of people through media like you. And, and so if I've got anything to give, it's just, you know, while I can remember everything pretty well, is just share what I've learned. Or, it's not because maybe a lot of the stuff I've learned hasn't been right, it, but but I have experienced things, and therefore if I don't um, distort them, if I tell them accurately, then it may be helpful to somebody else because I went through, you know that, that that's all experience is 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 shortcutting um, time. Hundred percent, I totally agree with that. So I guess you know on on that note, then you know if I was to give you sixty seconds now to kind of wrap up some golden nuggets for our listeners, what would those be? Um, well, uh, maybe advice to you guys that there's always something to learn. So, you know, don't stop. Even when you get your pro license, there's always something to learn. There's always somebody to learn from. Um, one of the people I was going to mention was Arsene Wenger. Since Japan days, um, Arsene and I have had conversations. Um, this is a man that you can learn just in one minute you can learn uh, uh, great, you know, not useful things. I won't say great things. So try to seek out people that um, know more than you. Not, not, this is not a competition. I don't mean it like that, but just have been around different situations that may have picked up different experiences. So, so it's, it's, I didn't mean it like no more as far as, you know, a, a competitive way. I mean that have experience. And, and that's why I, I so like mentoring now, because um, whether it's live or like this, um, it gives me a, a chance through conversation to say to you, look, you know, like I said to you, try to listen more, talk less, try to 
understand that um, football is not a science, it's more like an art. Um, only science is true. I think that's a great point that you made there, you know, about seeking out essentially, you know, um, mentors in some ways, you know, looking at people who have got, who have got some of the experience. And I think, you know, on that note, I, I just want to make a note to the listeners as well, you know, being very specific about who those people are. So if you've got a particular, you know, area that you want, you want to develop in, then seek someone who's good at that, not just someone who's got experience in the game, uh, so to speak, um, because that might not be their specialty. Um, so look at people who are actually good at the things that you want to get better at. I think is a, is a key thing to kind of just to, uh, add on to that. Um, again, look, Alfie, you know you've had you've had a long career, um, still going, looking very healthy, great skincare routine going on. Um, what would you say, you know, now if you know you've you've worked with so many different people, worked in so many different environments in different countries. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind when you're no longer part of that environment or that context or you leave a situation? Um, that, that I contributed to the teaching and learning of the game. Oh, simple as simple as simple and effective. I think you know, I think that's a massive one. I think, you know, it's we get into this business one because we love we love the game. Um, but then I think we all you know, deep down find a, another love for helping people I think you know and I think that's a, a massive part of certainly why I'm doing this yeah. um so you know I think having that it, it, you know just that little piece of you know gratitude and, and a satisfaction that you've actually helped someone along their journey I think is and if we help one person at a time even if it's just one of us helping one you, know, you can't you can't please everyone you can't help everyone but I think just change one person's you know having an impact on one person I think is going to be more than enough just on a final note, then obviously, you know, we talked a, a little bit um, before the start of this conversation around some of the, the programs and things that you guys have got coming up. You just want to share a bit of information around that and, you know, let the listeners know where they can potentially get in touch with you if they want more information. Yeah, so, um, yes, I, I guess we'll, we'll send you the, the links, etc. But um, we do have, if you now, in, especially in COVID times, an online uh, diploma um uh, where, where we send you the link. Um, it's Charlie and myself presenting. Um, we don't often work together now. He still lives in the US, I live in the UK. Um, but certainly in this last 10 months, we've been doing more together. Um, so that we can tell you it's, a, it's basically Diploma One is about session planning and our ideas about using Curve to session plan. Um, so I, yeah, I would recommend that, I think it's useful. Um, I think we've got uh, a, a couple of other courses that um, when you go to the Curva site, you can log into if it's helpful to you. Um, and um, so, yes, I think materials and backup and media, the, what you're doing, Yaz, is so important. Um, because I think uh, you, you're a vehicle for us that um, want to pass on messages. And uh, now we've seen, even post-COVID, it, it, it'll never be the same. It'll, the platforms like yours are always going to be important and more important. Definitely. And I think, you know, thank you for that as well. Um, so guys, you know, anyone that is obviously tuning into this, um, I'll be sure to add those links and those social media handles in the show notes. Um, but look, Alf, it's been a you know great conversation. You know, certainly I've, I've picked up a lot and you know, certainly clarified further some of the things that I already you know do within my own practice so I want to thank you again for your time this morning um, I'm sure the listeners and viewers have enjoyed it as much as I have um, 
there you guys have it. It's Alf, Alf Galicia. Thank you very much, Yaz. I enjoyed talking with you. And all of you stay safe, please. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.